0: Humans are a social animal. Everything you need to know about a human, more or less, is encompassed in those two words, social and animal. And right now, one of those important words is being completely thwarted by this pandemic, the social part, of course. It's kind of like taking a bumblebee and forcing it to never interact with a flower, or taking a dolphin out of the ocean. One of the, if not the most, fundamental aspect of being a human is not really available to us right now. And the implications are terrifying and profound. Getting Discomfortable With Isolation Everything in our nature, in our psychology, in our physiology, is geared towards closeness, connection, and intimacy with other humans. And right now, if you're anything like me, you are trying to fill this gap using technology. So I've been on 10,000 Zoom calls and I've been playing online board games and I've been attempting to synchronize movie watching and I've been going to online dance parties and online authentic relating events and online discussion groups and generally just hanging out with friends for long hours in digital environments. And at first, I was like, actually, this isn't as bad as I thought. This isn't terrible. Playing Settlers of Catan online with friends while having a Zoom call is surprisingly similar to just hanging out with them. And it doesn't require me to put on clothes or shower. But gradually, I'm starting to notice that it is taking a toll, not so much a psychological toll but a physical toll. My brain, my prefrontal cortex, it's being stimulated in a variety of ways. I'm writing most of the day, or I'm reading, or I'm talking to a friend, or I'm leading an online workshop, or I'm socializing over the internet, or I'm watching a movie. So cognitively, the stimulus is varied but physically the stimulus is identical. It is me in front of a screen. And don't get me wrong, it's definitely better than nothing, but I'm starting to realize that the amount of digital socializing I'm doing is perhaps too much because my body And I don't just mean this in like, I'm not getting enough exercise. I'm doing home workouts, I'm going for walks, I'm going for runs. It's not so much about the exercise component. It's that my body is not being stimulated in novel ways. When I go to a friend's house, my body gets to move, gets to be in a new environment, gets to touch and smell and feel different things, gets to hug people. There are pheromones. There's a very different embodied experience. And my brain is also being stimulated with conversation and games and whatnot. And that intellectual stimulation continues. But for my body... It's basically just doing one thing all day, sitting in front of a screen. It's not getting that powerful physical presence of another human being. It's not experiencing new smells, tastes, environments, pheromones, and other physiological states. It's just not being stimulated in all of those kind of invisible but profound ways that our body gets stimulated as it moves around the world and comes into close contact with all of these other people, which is exactly what it is designed to do. Researcher Lisa Feldman Barrett talks about the definition of love as my body co-regulating with the body of the person that I feel like I'm in love with. That person's presence actually helps to manage my body budget. Our nervous systems actually become kind of intertwined and aligned. Just from being around each other, just from being in each other's presence, through touch, through intimacy, but also just through probably like smell and very subtle forms of physical communication that we don't even really notice, but we are definitely not getting through Zoom. I imagine this is kind of similar to the way when a group of women live together, their menstrual cycles tend to become synchronized. What is the communication that makes that happen? Is it pheromones? Is it touch? Is it routine? The point is, there are all of these subtle, very physical ways in which, as a social animal, our body is stimulated by other people. And though my brain is getting all kinds of delightful stimulation right now, that physical communication is completely gone. And the impact is this strange kind of blurring of reality. This, this is what I'm noticing. When I have a Zoom party and hang out with some friends or play board games or whatever it is that we're doing, the next morning, when I look back at the night before, all I can remember is this kind of sloshy digital blur. It's not like this clear memory of, oh yeah, my friends came over and we were in physical presence of each other and I have this crisp picture and sense of them around me and of what took place. It's not like that at all. It's sort of like trying to remember a dream or it almost feels like whatever I experienced, I was extremely inebriated at the time. So I just sort of see this like mush of not super crisp faces and digital artifacts, and, like, really, all that I really experienced on a physical level is just sitting on my couch with a computer. Even though I kind of intellectually think I did a series of different things, if you look at it objectively, it was just this social animal sitting in one place with a screen in front of it. I'm reminded of Plato's cave, this idea that if people were locked in a dark cave and they saw shadows flickering against the wall created by the activity outside of the cave and all they could see were those shadows, that they would assume that those shadows were reality. I'm looking at the flickering (laughs) shadows on the cave wall of my computer, and my brain is interpreting that as reality. But my body is like, what the fuck is this bullshit? This isn't real. And I don't even really notice the impact it's having until I look back and I realize that in my memory, it's like I haven't done anything. I can't even remember what happened. It feels like I was drunk or something it's just a blur. And when I think about that memory and look around at my environment, look around at my house where there is no one but me, everything looks so crisp and real, except there are no humans in it. I haven't had a crisp, real experience with a human in like a month. And I can only imagine what is going to happen to me if this continues much longer. If you live with your family or roommates or a partner, this might be a very different experience. The sheer fact of seeing another human, even if it's the same human over and over again, which I'm sure is crazy making for its own reasons, but just having the physical presence of another human means that to some degree your social nature is being met. Even if you have a pet. That might be enough to meet some degree of your social need. But for those of us who are living alone currently, we are running on a social deficit that I don't think is going to ever be fully met through digital means. And it's very frightening to imagine what's going to happen to our bodies and our brains if we have to go for many months or a year, where all of our social interactions actually live in our brain and body as this kind of blurry mush that isn't real, as this sort of cognitive intellectual illusion. We think we hung out with our friends, but really it was just a shadow. And perhaps that's the most dangerous part. I actually wonder if right now it would be safer to talk on the phone rather than engaging in the absurd amount of video calls that I've been doing. Because the phone is actually not that different than literally just hearing someone's voice. It's not that detached from reality. Yes, they're not actually right there beside you, but it is still a sound wave. It's, it's actually very similar to a voice. So when we're talking on the phone, our brain and our body doesn't have this expectation that we're really with someone. So I think we can kind of situate it properly. It's just a voice. But when we're on a video call... To some degree, we want to believe that we're with someone, but we're so not with them that it's almost problematic. I'm reminded of the concept of the uncanny valley. If you're not familiar with the uncanny valley, it refers to the gap between digital representations of reality and actual reality. And the uncanny valley appears As computer-generated imagery gets closer and closer to looking real, it actually hits this weird space, the uncanny valley, where it's kind of disturbing and unnerving because it almost looks real, but something about it tells us and our body and our brain that it isn't crude digital animation or digital renderings look so cartoony that our brain and our body understands this isn't real. But the Uncanny Valley is this space where we kind of start to think it is real, but it just doesn't look right. So it makes everything feel kind of creepy and cold and just off somehow. I feel like a similar thing is happening with video calls. Part of my body is thinking, this is real, I'm with people, but it's just not right. So it's actually creating this weird kind of distance. My, my body's like, why, if I'm with people, am I feeling so detached and unreal and inebriated and blurry? it starts to make you question reality itself. It starts to make you question what is real and what is imagined and what is digital and what is a dream. And I've also been having, and I'm sure many people have as well, these really intense, anxiety-fueled dreams. I can't remember very many of them. But when I wake up the next day, I look back at the night, and the the line between all the kind of digital social calls I did and the weird, disturbing, anxious dreams I had all kind of blurs together. And I'm like, was it all a dream? What's real? What isn't? Was I drunk? Was I imagining things? I don't know. My body just wasn't designed to take in this unreal medium and assume that it is real. There's this joke going around on the internet that says something like, what are your weekend plans? And then it shows a map of a small apartment And there's sort of like these plans to spend some time in the kitchen, and then in the afternoon go on a trip to the bathroom, and then later that night have a little journey into the bedroom, as if going on some kind of hike, but through a 500-square-foot apartment. But actually, I think that there is some wisdom to that cartoon, because I'm noticing that my body needs more of a variety of experience, even if it's not social experience. I actually think that I need to ensure that physically, and it's not just about exercise, it's just like on a on a physical somatic level, I am stimulating my body in slightly different ways and slightly different spaces as much as I possibly can. If my body is spending all of its time In one position, in my bedroom or in my living room, taking in media off of a screen, it's going to drive me crazy eventually, no matter how much intellectual or social stimulus I seem to be getting from that activity. I think I need to be spending a balanced amount of time in as many different environments or positions or experiences as I can carve out in the limited options of my apartment and the street around it. I think I need to be going on more walks. I think I need to be spending time doing anything in any other room. Maybe I need to be having more long bubble baths, so just that I'm in an environment that's watery and in a different room. Maybe I need to be reading in bed and working more at the kitchen table. Maybe I need to be taking calls in the kitchen. Maybe I need to be working on a puzzle in the office, like there's just like... As many different little niches, activities, and somatic varieties that I can come up with in order to give my body a sense of experience and diversity that it needs. Even if it means actually doing less video call socializing. I think I need to balance that with some phone calls where I'm not giving my body the message that a human is actually there. I'm reminded of this game I played in an authentic relating workshop once where they asked us to look around the room as if we had never seen any of the things in the room before. So it kind of like got us into this childlike headspace of wonderment or as if we were on some kind of psychedelic drug because we just like picked up random objects and looked at them as if we had never seen them before. And even my water bottle, which I carry with me everywhere, when I when I really looked at it and took in the details as if they were new and fascinating, it really did become new and fascinating. And it was such a kind of giggly, giddy, hilarious experience. I was touching things. I was taking in textures. I was exploring nooks and crannies like as if I was a toddler. And it was this really fun, trippy, empowering experience. And to some degree, I think that's the kind of perspective I need to be using to take in my limited world right now. I need to, like, go for a very slow walk around the block and touch tree bark and pick clovers and look at bugs and sniff at things like as if I was a dog. I need to be touching my wall and tapping on things and feeling the cold of metal. I need to be exploring this monotonous world as if it was new with as much variety as I can in order to stimulate my body and my mind in much more diverse ways than just a monotonous series of screens. Even if what is on those screens is diverse and fascinating and different and interesting, it's not really diverse enough to keep my body satisfied. And that doesn't even account for the social component. I'm not exactly sure how to achieve this, but I think that it's really important that to some degree, even if I'm not like really close to them, I need to be looking at other humans in the real world somehow. One idea that comes to mind is literally just looking out the window at people walking by Another thing that comes to mind is going for walks and kind of just like nodding or smiling at people or saying, hello, any sense of there's another human for real, in reality, right there. I don't have to get closer to them than is healthy, but to see them and to be seen and to have any kind of tiny interaction is going to be very meaningful for our body and our social nature. If it's allowable even, I think going for a walk with a friend at a distance would be really, really, really powerful. I feel like at least once a week, if it's allowed, I need to be going for a walk at a six or 12 foot distance with someone and just talking to them, being around them, looking at them, getting as much a sense of like, there is a real human near me and we are connected. Even if we're not really close to each other, we're still like in each other's orbit. I think that that is going to meet a social need that we may not even fully comprehend or realize how important it is. It may sound absurd to think that looking out your window at a real human is somehow better than talking to a close friend on Zoom, but actually, I suspect that there is a qualitative difference for our body, and I think we need to honor that, and if we don't, we're going to go crazy in this really hard-to-pinpoint way that is just like something is wrong, something is off we think we're interacting we think we're being stimulated but we're not it's the uncanny valley and if you do have the good fortune of living with another human i know that you're probably having lots of annoyance and fights and you know you, you're probably fighting for privacy but i hope that you can also appreciate That this human's sheer presence is doing something to balance your body budget, to regulate your nervous system that you aren't even aware of. And I I really want to emphasize that and, and I hope that you can find some gratitude for that situation because there are so many people who don't have access to that right now. Even when your partner or your child is driving you completely insane, they are also doing something very profound and healthy and necessary for your body. I'm imagining that if this continues for, say, up to a year or longer, as some people are predicting, we are going to see a lot of people creating pods. The concept is that you're essentially acting like a couple, as if you live together, except maybe you don't live together. It is, of course, opening you and the people in your pod up to greater risk, Because you might go to the grocery store at different times, and one of you could be exposed, therefore exposing the other. Of course, it's not really that different than living with your partner, and one of you goes to the grocery store and potentially introduces different germs or viruses back into the house. It's a kind of risk calculation that everyone is going to have to make for themselves, I mean, it's very similar to having a sexual partner in the sense of whoever else they are sleeping with, you are essentially sleeping with because whatever they catch from someone else is going to come back to you. This is that same concept, except you may not even necessarily be having sex with the person that you're potting up with. It might just be a platonic friend, but you have to kind of have an arrangement with each other. How often are we going to go grocery shopping? What precautions are we going to take when we do go grocery shopping? Who else, if anyone, are you going to see or be in contact with? You kind of just have to come up with the, the norms of this pod in the same way that in a sexual relationship, you might have agreements about what is and is not acceptable in terms of sexual safety. The longer this drags on, I think just naturally, we are going to see people forming these pods. Strategically, these pods are probably also going to be based on proximity. If you don't live together, your pod would ideally be someone who you can get to without having to use any kind of mass transit. So you can either walk or bike there or maybe you have a car. It's all about how can you be in connection with someone with the least number of interactions with other people possible. So there's probably going to be all these fascinating stories of people who wouldn't necessarily spend constant time together deciding that they're going to be a kind of partnership for their own sanity. And I'm aware, or anyway, I've heard anecdotal reports that there has been a spike in the divorce rate in China post-COVID. And that makes sense. It's this intense situation where you're forced together with your partner and everything that you don't really like or resent or that doesn't work is almost certainly going to come boiling over. I've heard from lots of different couples that it's been a very difficult time. And I can hear through the floor that the couple who lives below me are also fighting a lot. So I'm imagining that when this is all over, Relationships that weren't working super well are probably going to crumble. But by the same token, I'm imagining that the people who consciously decided to create a pod during the pandemic will probably stay together forever. Because the pod, the bond, the relationship will have been created with such need, appreciation and gratitude, with, with such a clear understanding of the power of just having another person around, that it will probably set those relationships up to be a lot more robust and a, and a lot more appreciative and to work harder to get through differences and problems because they really see the the benefit of being together. So, there might be this interesting changeover during the pandemic where a bunch of old relationships are going to end, but a bunch of new relationships are going to form, both sexual and platonic. And those new relationships might be some of the most profound, lasting, important relationships of our lives. And we might discover, as I did while I was traveling, that you can actually connect with just about anyone. If you get to know them well enough, if you ask the right questions, if you see underneath all of their strategies for worthiness or their identity, if you kind of get under all the BS and the masks and the, the games and the image crafting to see what's really underneath, you almost always find it lovable and endearing. So during the pandemic, there's going to be a sense of take what you can get. But then afterwards, I hope that that lands for people that taking what you can get is just as good and valuable as being really picky and trying to get the perfect person. The way that we don't want to be friends with certain people because they're just not good enough or they believe different things or they're not cool or whatever your criteria is, you might discover that that criteria is kind of bullshit and doesn't really matter. You don't really need that much of a criteria to actually connect with someone. And the same is true for romantic relationships. And I'm one to talk because I actually think that I'm quite superficial. But we might discover, based on necessity, that you can actually fall in love with and have a stimulating sexual and intimate and emotional relationship and an intellectual relationship with way more people than you thought you could. They don't have to look just this way. They don't have to be taller or shorter or whatever it is that you think you need. There's probably so much more possibility for deep connection that we don't allow ourselves to explore because it doesn't really meet our cultural ideas of what we're looking for, what's cool, what's hot, what's attractive. So in a number of ways, this pandemic is shaking up our world. But in the social realm, I think it is offering a really profound challenge that we're all going to have to overcome. And I just want to caution that video conferencing might not be the solution that it appears to be. And our desire to do a ton of it might actually be impacting our body in a profoundly unhealthy way. And I think we need to get really creative about different types of embodied solutions so that we can come out the other side of this and not look back over the pandemic and wonder, was that all a dream? Was I on some kind of drugs? Like, why can't I remember anything? I don't want to look back on however long this experience was and feel like it was a simulation that was sort of real, but not quite real enough. I want to find a way to dig into this event and get to the reality of it. I feel like it is providing us an opportunity to experience reality in a completely new way. And I want to get directly into that reality, even if it's uncomfortable, as opposed to losing myself in a kind of opioid of mushy digital distraction.